0: The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. We've got a returning guest today who is the CEO of 360 Blockchain, Jeff Coyne. Thank you so much for coming back on the show, mate.
1: Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, listen, Jeff. You've been very busy, as have I. We, we spoke back in April and a lot has happened, not so much in the way of price movement in the market, but a lot has happened in the space. Now, first of all, would you just touch base on where you've been with 360 and what's coming up on your radar at the moment?
1: I think from the outside view, everything's sort of been a little flat or running sideways. And I think on the inside, though, people like you and me and other people that are developing projects have sort of seen this as a very good opportunity to sort of get our houses in order and. Put some projects together and and put a little you know money back toward development and planting the seeds, and that's what we've been doing. We made some investments, uh, a couple little acquisitions, and we one of our, our early investments called Pressland. We've spent the last six months putting together MVP, you know, doing white paper. Personally, I'm really happy with this period right now because it's a lull. The fever is sort of over, and you're a believer. I'm a believer. You know, I know what we're coming up to and I I know what crypto is going to be. We both know that and your audience probably knows that too. So with that confidence, it's a great time to just like say get your house in order. Say the fever's gone, you know, the dumb money has kind of come and probably gone. Now we're just waiting for smart money to come in and it's time to prepare for that, you know, smart money to come back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, we've been speaking with that on the show quite frequently about um, the fact that you know I've, I've been to a number of different shows around the world, a lot in Australia here recently as well as I'm sure you've been uh, you know doing your fair share as well. And what we're, what I'm seeing, especially you know speaking with the guests that I've got, is that people aren't concerned about the price right now. If you really are a believer in this technology, the price isn't of concern right now. Look, if the price was to have a big, big, big dip back down, it certainly would slow things to another level again. But right now, it's almost like the cream is rising to the top. You can still raise if you're doing an ICO, you've just got to be better. You've got to do it properly. And it's not about taking dumb money off dumb people. And that's not to be disrespectful to anybody out there because you know I've put money into some ICOs that have gone pretty poorly as well. So yeah, the consolidation period is a really important one and we are still in the thick of it right now. So a lot of good projects being done. So let's talk about Pressland. I mean, what is it? What's Pressland?
1: Pressland is a a very exciting project. So we might even talk about this in April that everybody yeah, just about everyone you talk to, has a pre-blockchain career or you know a complementary career. So I'm, I'm a journalist. I've been a career journalist, writer, editor, everything in between, been an entrepreneur in the space and into blockchain and crypto fairly early. And, and now I run crypto and blockchain investments. So it was a natural uh, pairing to bring Pressland into the 360 fold. What we're doing is – President is the enterprise platform for media trust. The, the biggest problem facing the media, and it doesn't take a media insider to, to know this, is one of trust. The public's trust in media is at all time low, right? You know, you're a podcaster. I'm sure people question whether you're shilling anything you say that's positive. Everyone's questioning your motives, and, and that's fine. That's the state we're living in. But we believe that there is, you know, we're, we're at a bit of a crisis, and we need to. Take steps to regain the public trust. So what Pressman is going to do or is doing, we're the first people to look at the media as a supply chain. I was telling you before that as, as a journalist and you know you too, a podcaster, we, we tend to think of the media and journalism as something sacred. And, and it is, the fourth estate is very important. At its best, it keeps democracy in check. People who work in it sacrifice, you know, a lot to be part of it. It takes a long time to, to make an impact, but ultimately, if you sort of squint at it the right way, and you can sort of get off the, you know, sort of knock yourself down a peg, it's a supply chain. The media is a supply chain. Uh, the article is the mango. The writer is the farmer. The shipping container is the editor, and the, uh, you know, the fruit stand is the publication. So, what we're going to do at Pressland, in an effort to give news consumers like that radical transparency they need is we're going to map the media supply chain every article every writer every editor connecting everybody all in a public manner not we're not doxing we're not looking for secrets and digging up dirt we just believe that news consumers have a right to any link they share or has been shared by them any video blog post it's not just political consumer reviews stereo review a car review they should be able to click on that article that byline that outlet And see the whole supply chain of where these players fit. And I think we avoid a lot of the problems we've had traditionally in the last couple of years of well, this outlet is garbage. It wouldn't take much to realize that, oh, this was shared from a website that was launched three months ago and the writer isn't a real person. You know, so that's like the best use. And then on the other side, we want genuine journalism and good journalism, whatever it's political slant. We're not partisan, whatever it is. As long as it's reliable, good journalism, we feel like that showing the whole supply chain, how an article or video is produced, every influence along the way will help readers and viewers be more confident and we can regain that trust.
0: Well, there's definitely, I mean, one of the things I think is really important about business when you're launching one is how relevant it actually is for that moment in time. We've, we've certainly seen a lot of, it, especially in the crypto space, actually more so in the crypto space, in the blockchain space than anywhere is people coming out and trying to perhaps solve a problem that doesn't yet exist now in this space of course there has been a huge amount of distrust in the media and look it's pretty much just come to a a fever pitch based around a certain leader in a certain part of the world because the coin you know literally the the coin was termed you know fake news and and what you're trying to provide here is something that I certainly believe that there is a, a lot of power in that not just for the consumer through products and ratings and reviews and knowing you know I mean look even ICO reviews you know, you, you look at these ICO reviews and you go hang on is this person legit uh, uh, you know what sort of kickback are they getting you know that sort of thing you know when they post an article knowing where it's come from why it's come from that I mean that that's going to bring back a huge amount of credibility but, but I mean can you do that I mean how much work is that to get there
1: it's, it's a lot of work. It's uh, it, it's kind of what you're saying—the right place, the right time. Pressnet actually was originally built as a Yelp for media about three years ago, and it was like an insider tool. It was just for journalists. It was to rate their editor, maybe be a little snarky and, and bitch about somebody who was hard to work with. And then so that ran for about a year, and it was like I said, it was insider tool, and it, it had a few thousand users, and it was a, it was a funny little thing. But with blockchain. And at the same time, with the weaponization of the term fake news, which is now such a loaded term, we don't even use it. We talk about misinformation. We talk about malinformation. Is somebody saying something that's wrong or are they trying to say something to convince somebody that something's wrong? Are
0: they just stupid or are they misleading people?
1: Exactly. Are they being malicious or are they dumb or are they being fed false information? We have to get to the bottom of it. So with blockchain technology, we think it's possible finally to – and like I said, I mentioned supply chain very intentionally. Blockchain and supply chains are just such – Great pairs. Walmart is putting their supply chain on blockchain because, to use the Mango example, you could have put your supply chain on a digital platform 10 years ago, but the uh, sort of the infrastructure and the tech savvy and the tech, you know, sort of the equipment to make that happen would, would just be cost prohibitive five, 10 years ago. But now you've got independent farmers who could scan a QC code or QR code with their tablet and boom, it goes up, it gets into their permissioned blockchain, and Walmart has every single provider. On that supply chain, recorded with accuracy and reliability. That's where we think media has finally gotten to. Five years ago, it was Yelp for media, it was snarky, it was you know, a fun tool. Now the stakes are a lot higher. Now we have to worry about really losing the public trust. And if we don't have trust in media, this is to get on the high horse as, as a journalist. If we don't have trust in media, we're really our institutions are a genuine risk.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, not only are you right place, right time, but you're also right career paths combining together, you know, your journalist background. And of course, the most recent part of your world is moving into the blockchain. So if anyone can do it, you can do it. What are your plans on, I mean, for this to have, you know, truly far reaching ramifications, you're going to need a lot of journalists on board. You you can't just have some. And the only way I suppose to get that is to have some good ones come on and have a public awareness campaign, if you will. Have you got any plans? I know I know you said it's very early days with Pressland, but I mean, what's your plan to, I suppose, very much the same as Bitcoin, as an example, and, and blockchain, different applications. How are you going to get mass adoption of that? Well, what's the plan to get mass adoption?
1: No, you're absolutely right. You need a certain amount of mass, uh, critical mass for it, it to spin up. It's spinning a top. If you don't spin it fast enough, it falls down. And we've had the exact same, was one of our very first questions is, how do we get people on board? So, there's two things. One, we are journalists. We're not carpetbaggers. We're not coming in from the outside. And as you said a few minutes ago, there's a lot of solutions for problems that don't exist. And there's a lot of people that come in and say to an industry, you know, a young kid comes in, hey, I'm going to solve your business without knowing anything about that business. That's not us. I know this industry inside and out. I know where the pain points are. I know what's realistic to expect of editors and writers and publishers. I know how much extra effort they're going to put forward. I know who needs to be incentivized in different ways. So with that in mind, we're making sure we get buy-in from the journalists. We are making this a tool that first and foremost represents them. Privacy controls are front of mind. Like so said, we're not doxing anybody. No public record information that is sensitive. No families, no hometowns. Even if the people are dumb enough to put their kids' pictures on Twitter and Instagram, and many of them are, even if they're stupid enough to do that, we're not going to put that up there. It's not relevant to the career. Now, that being said, we actually don't need buy-in. We are going to take everything from the public, RSS feeds from publishers, websites, apps, basically the same information that Apple News uses to grab the news and and filter out to you. They have licensing and certain buy-in, but they take what's out there in the public and repurpose it. That's our first step. and We don't want to survive that way forever because we do want buy-in, but we are absolutely certain that in the same way that Walmart said to all its providers – eventually you're going to take that tablet and you're going to scan that creative mangoes before it leaves your farm. We think we can get the same thing. We think we get the big publishers to realize, okay, they're doing it right. They understand our business. Nobody's privacy is being sacrificed and it's benefiting us because it's engaging our readers. This idea of radical transparency is actually the best path forward and we're not doing anything that isn't out there already. All we need is a giant vacuum of the terabytes of data that are thrown off every day, if not every hour, we need giant robots to process it, parse it, verify it, and put it out there in a public consumable manner. And that's just a question of scale. And it's just money and servers and robots. And we're ready to do it.
0: You have gone into this after having spoken to some big publishing houses, I would suspect. What's been the general feedback? The general feel are they for it are they i would imagine most honest platforms would be very much for it. journalists will be very much for the verification of their services because they want to know where it's come from and they want to also prove that there's somebody who is credible so when they do break a story for example it can be believed it can be trusted and therefore it can scoot through i guess the the middle house the top of the tree faster how have they sort of taken on what you've brought to them as far as this idea of a trustless media
1: it's been a mixed bag. On a personal level, I have several friends who are mad at me because I am saying to them, "Listen, your Twitter account is fair game if it's public. You cannot portray this, the idea of RTs are not endorsements or this is a personal account not work. That's over." You know, the New York Times, an institution I absolutely respect, wants its journalists on Twitter, and those are a mix of personal and professional accounts. So, news consumers have an absolute right to look at a byline to question the reporting and question bias and then look at the personal data that the reporters are throwing off. That's not popular with friends of mine. But I do say to them, tough shit. This is what it is. We are allowed to be judged by skeptical news consumers if we want to get them back. The first step of gaining trust is giving something of yourself and opening the doors and saying, here's what I'm about. I really think you should trust the work I do. So that's the individual level. On the institutional level, we're getting open doors. We have a great meeting next week with someone, of course, I'm not going to be able to talk about, who are trying to tackle the trust problem in their own house. Now, that's also the key to precedent. We are not just in one. We're completely agnostic and we're a global supply chain. So if Facebook is trying to solve its fake news problem and its misinformation problem and its false news problem, currently, they're relying on data they collect in their own house their own users, their shares, reliability, indexes, all that stuff. That's fine. But they're missing the outside data. So we're going to offer to layer in the global data. That person who wrote that article, you really should see what else they work on. Most cases, we hope it'll bring credibility. We're not looking to knock anybody down because of a tweet. Instead, we think if you do an op-ed in the New York Times or the New York Post or Washington Post, it would be very useful to know that you're also a regular feature reporter for The Economist. The Washington Post may not tell you that because everybody worries about their own kingdoms. The New York Times does not going to link out to that writer's pro, you know bylines elsewhere. They want to keep everything internal. We're coming in and saying we are non-denominational global index, and you should layer us in if you want to Regain that public trust in your writers as sort of a larger, a bigger picture.
0: And it's also fantastic in the sense that you might read a piece that you might not agree with. If I read something that I don't agree with, it would be really cool to look back, be able to sort of look at it and go, I don't agree with this, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. Maybe my way of thinking is wrong. Let me just investigate who this is, what they've done in the past. Oh, wow, they've spent six years covering the Middle East and I'm disagreeing on something on an oil embargo, for example. These people have got more expertise than I. That's very interesting, this perspective. I now rank it higher than I did because this person is clearly more of an expert on this subject than I. So it can open your eyes to different views just by virtue of the fact that if you actually care enough to go down that rabbit hole, there is a rabbit hole to go down. I, th- I think that's really positive for the education of the reader. Not, not everyone reads a story and really wants to learn. Not everybody reads a story. you know. But there are some stories that you pick up that you go, I want to know more about this because it's really come and touched me. It's come home and it, it's sort of questioned some of the things that I've believed in in the past. So that I think that's a re- I'd really appreciate that.
1: Thanks, I appreciate that. Um, We—that's exactly our philosophy. Is we know as reporters ourselves and career journalists, we know that two people can go to the same event and report the exact same facts and come back with different ways of presenting it. That doesn't make one right or wrong. The question is, does this person have bias? Is this military contractor going on to CNN to talk about military deployments in the Middle East? That's information you should know. That doesn't make them right or wrong, but you're entitled to it. Now, in the same way that I said your carton of milk and your dozen eggs will list the farm, the chicken, or the cow they came from, how many times does the average consumer open that up and go look? They never do, but it's there. And the point is, it's there. You have no the you know the farmers are saying I'm on record, and if something goes wrong, you could hold me accountable, and I'm not going to try to hide or cover the wagons. We feel the same way about journalism. Just put it out there. I don't think the average news consumer wants to dig into that rabbit hole, but also the real key is giving this data to other players giving it to Facebook and licensing it to Google and saying, this is the key that you've been missing. This is your Rosetta Stone, that your analysis and your trust indexes and your bias indexes, they've been missing this giant agnostic pool of data. And that's what we want to build.
0: Well, look, we're going to flip back out to more about some uh, a couple of questions I've got outside of press, then We'll come back and conclude on Pressland. And we'll find out where we can find out more about it. But, Jeff, you're tucked in with 360 Blockchain. You are a big player in the space. Obviously, you've been investing. You've been doing a lot uh, since 2014. Now, we've seen the market relatively sideways since we spoke in April. What are your thoughts around price at the moment? Is there anything that you're seeing in the space that we should be aware of development-wise? Of course, there's a lot of talk about this ETF being postponed, postponed, postponed. It seems to be the uh, non-farm payrolls of crypto at the moment, which is very interesting because we haven't had anything major like this before. What's your take at the moment on the state of Bitcoin and the market as it stands?
1: Mostly, I agree with what you said said earlier is that at this point, I'm beyond price. I peek at it. I don't have a whole lot of skin in the game. I was one of the lucky ones who cashed out at better numbers. This is a personal level. 360 blockchain, You know, we're invested in, in long-term for companies. But if we're going to talk crypto price action, on a personal level, price doesn't bother me. I think that this is a nice lull, like I said before. Sideways is just fine. I am, however, kind of shocked that we have had – some fairly big news. You know, We've had some big players coming in. We have new platforms opening up and it really hasn't moved the needle. I actually think that that's a sign of maturity. Back last year, the end of last year, every little headline, every press release bumped Bitcoin a thousand bucks, a thousand dollar jump now in Bitcoin is itself a major headline. It was so volatile and there was it was so frothy that it was exciting. But now I think the idea of Bitcoin hovering between six and seven, maybe like Draper's targeting 10 by whenever. Fine, let's have some nice, steady growth. Let's get big players in without the market going batshit. Actually, I find it comforting that a big press release can come out and a big player can step in and the market just goes, okay, cool, we're going to do our thing. I think that's a really good sign.
0: I agree. I don't have any problem with it. I just hope that it trends a little bit more for us so we can get more good trading opportunities for the listeners out there that are traders like myself. So Jeff, finally, where do they find out more information about 360 blockchain and of course, Pressland, mate?
1: Well, Pressland is pressland.com. And the best way if anyone wants to get in touch is find me on LinkedIn. We've got Pressland. We have a few other investments and this is all I do all day long. And I'm always happy to talk shop.
0: Well, it was an awesome conversation regarding uh, Pressland, what you're doing with the space. Um, I'm really fascinated by it and I hope you have some major success with that. And ladies and gentlemen, one thing, again, I bring it up time and time again, the big dogs, the big players, the people that are in this space building businesses don't care so much about the price. Hang in there. This is a long-term market a market needs to mature a market needs to grow and these are part and parcel of the space developing and growing we're still sitting about 200 billion that can be purchased by apple's balance sheet right now to give you some perspective sit tight be patient and if you don't trade already you probably should be because we can make money where the markets go up and down jeff coins thank you so much for being on the show once again and i look forward to speaking to you down the track
1: thank you so much and we'll talk again soon great thanks
0: guys have a great day bye for now